When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is gayish. The podcast that definitely did not pee on the governor. I mean, proof we did. Exactly. <laughs> like unicorns. Prove that it's there. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. And we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And today... We're going to talk about... My favorite place. <laughs> your closet? <laughs> yeah. Our, our, the closet. Being in the closet. We're going to talk about the closet. Why is the closet the place, the metaphor that we chose? Yeah. Why are there people in the closet? Yeah. Like, who, who put them there? <laughs> like the Keebler elves for gayness <laughs> um but first but first news sure yeah news yeah news 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 okay news um some news some news things okay i have some that's what the segment that's, is so that's, that's good <laughs> the, i figure if, if i keep talking about pete Buttigieg, that like <laughs> people will get tired of it or he'll turn straight or <laughs> If you like, say his name three times, he just said, he, like, he, yeah, like, he's gay. He's running for president. So when I'm coming up with, like, gay news stories, that's, you know, he's up there. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know if he should did be. Did something, oh, but, but did gay, something new happen? The gay news sphere is pretty, you know, Pete heavy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's Pete heavy. We're not helping. We're not helping. It's like a fine scotch. It's Pete heavy. <laughs> I don't know uh, what that means. Yeah, yeah. Scotch drinkers got it. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so. They don't listen to this. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, so Mayor Pete um, was on TV uh, the other day, and he did a CNN town hall on uh, Tuesday, I guess. And they were asking about how Rush Limbaugh says that America is not ready for a gay president. Mm-hmm. And he said he envisioned Democrats concluding that, quote, despite all the great wokeness and despite all the great uh, great ground that's been covered, that America's still not ready to elect a gay guy kissing his husband on the debate stage president. That's Rush? That's Rush. And of course, Donald Trump gave him the Presidential Medal of Freedom Honor or yeah. whatever the fuck it is. And um, so Mayor Pete's retort was, quote, the idea that the likes of Rush Limbaugh or Donald Trump lecturing anybody on family values. One thing about my marriage is it's never involved me having to send hush money to a porn star. <laughs> and he's super right. Yeah. Yeah. Like why fucking straight people. The fact that religious people think that marriage is sacred and it's this inviolable institution that straight people are amazing at. And oh, yeah, gay yeah. People are fucking it up is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's your friend that got an F in math. Like, yelling at you for getting a b like how no you don't get to do that you yeah. get to sit quietly while i figure out what i did wrong yeah also i i don't i might unfortunately agree with rush limbo i don't know if the world is the u.s is ready for a gay president yeah i mean i'm not sure either but he needs to shut his goddamn whore mouth i mean yeah I, he's, <laughs> that's for us to say and yeah. him to find out <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah one thing about my marriage is it's never involved me to send hush money to a porn star. Yeah, that's good. That's fucking great. Yeah. I yeah. want that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> and also, like, Mayor Pete's growing some balls, too. <laughs> like, he's always so, like, smiley and, like, yeah. innocent looking or something. And so for him to, like, come out swinging is pretty great. Yeah. Maybe I wonder if his polls say that he has to. Yeah. Probably. Probably. <laughs> swinging that dick. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I was checking up on News the Second. Yeah. Okay, great. I was checking up on uh, Aaron Salazar. Oh, yeah. And uh, his recovery, just because I do every like few months or so. And his page on Facebook is a flutter about a January 1st story that a body found by railroad workers is thought to be an Amtrak passenger. <gasps> so the Siskiyou County Sheriff's Office is continuing its investigation into the suspicious death of a man located on December 26th after deputies received a call at 9.10 a.m. reporting a possible dead body lying near railroad tracks about three-tenths of a mile east of the Andesite Railroad crossing near Military Pass Road, a rural area of Siskiyou County near U.S. 97, 32 miles southeast of Eureka and east of Weed, California. Yeah, weed. Between Eureka and Weed? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, 
anyway yeah so then like they got a call from railroad authorities and he the man had uh, sustained head injuries and investigators have reason to believe he was a passenger on a southbound train prior to his death and yeah the amtrak police department's not being super helpful that's surprising that's surprising you're taking your life into your own hands writing on an Amtrak. I, yeah. Kids. Is there an Amtrak serial killer out there? Maybe. Is that uh, it's the same to location keep? too, right? Like that's approximately where Aaron Salazar oh, really? was was attacked. Hmm. Man, that'd be that explain why they're being so hush hush and not investigating well if they don't want that news to get out there. Yeah. Or it's the, my this novel the start of my new novel. <laughs> Are you doing research for a novel and you're killing people on Amtrak? <laughs> yes. It's going to be so realistic. Yeah. It's like going to be like crime and punishment, but a reality show. You got to really just know what it feels like to shove a person through a window before you can write about it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> this is not the right segment to be talking about this in. Okay, I great. hope they find there if there is one to like, just cooperate is the thing. Like just be good. <laughs> what we saw last time we've talked about thoroughly about this they just are really bad at investigating and cooperating and basic being human yeah like yeah yeah, like this guy looks like he committed suicide that's impossible so yeah get your shit together amtrak there's a serial killer on the loose get your shit together amtrak uh news the last yeah so nicholas merriweather is a professor of religious philosophy at shawnee state university in ohio boxer nicholas merriweather uh, that's the oh the mma fighter hmm. yeah maybe i don't I think, think that's the same guy <laughs> i don't even think they're related you know um maybe he's a professor of religious philosophy at shawnee state university in ohio which is a public school uh he said that the a, way you looked at me see, makes that seem important yeah he filed a lawsuit and said in that complaint that a transgender student asked him to refer to her with she pronouns and signifiers ma'am instead of sir and ms instead of mister. Instead of complying, he chose to call her by her last name only. He got an informal warning and written warning for violating the school's non-discrimination policy. He argued, though, that as a Christian, it was his sincerely held religious belief based on the Bible's teachings that God created human beings as either male or female, that this gender is fixed in each person from the moment of conception and that it cannot be changed. Uh, anyway, a federal trial court just dismissed his claim, saying that misgendering others is not free speech, protected by the First <laughs> Amendment, and his other claims did not have merit. That's amazing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does the Bible claim that people are immutable in their gender and never since conception they have to be the same thing and it never changes? Is that one of the passages? Okay, that- <laughs> so here's the thing. You're touching on the omniscience and ubiquity of God. <laughs> and the, the the thing is, the argument goes... the Bible does have this whole passage about like, he knew you before you were formed in the womb because he knows everything. Mm -hmm. Then he also fucking knew that you were trans. Yeah. Like, I (laughs) don't understand why there's this specialness placed on the moment of conception in the eyes of Christianity when, yeah, God knows a lot of things, knowing things about who you were while you were in the womb. They use the same argument against abortion, Mm -hmm. right? That like God knew who you were before you were in the womb. So killing you then is murder because he knows you. But he he also knew that you were going to get fucking aborted. So like, let's all get over it. Yeah. (laughs) Why are you so stupid? Yeah. Also, the things he says are scientifically wrong. Well, yeah. So. Yeah. I'm glad he got his shit shut down. And belief or non-belief in a guy in the sky that knows everything and everybody and is everywhere and is all powerful. Belief or non-belief in that is not a good reason to make policy. Yeah. Either. Yeah. It's not a good reason to be an <laughs> asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, my stories today were very stereotypical. Well, but that one, the, that one went the right way. It went the right way. Yeah. For now. Yeah. Unlike... <laughs> gay people <laughs> yeah um well i want to thank everyone who supports us including patreon members david not especially not especially but including. amongst the those thanked <laughs> just a big be. head about this people <laughs> having your name said because you're you're in you're in, um, you're an equal among a crowd yes uh but, but you're special but you're special ish <laughs> uh david shields coming soon to ncis david shields <laughs> Oh God! He's in, fighting uh, the railroad serial killer. Is is there like a like in the porn version of his life? Is is it a sci-fi <laughs> flick? And you can say shields up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Thomas I'm B. I'm very tired today. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like it. Uh, Thomas B. 
Thomas B. supporting us on Thomas B. Amazing. <laughs> um, and Paul Clark. Okay. Thank you, Paul Clark. Thank you, Paul Clark. I didn't say David Shields just has such a cool name that I feel like Paul Clark might get the the last A to the back end. What? <laughs> <laughs> No, he gets the full eight. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Thank you to everyone. We appreciate you. If you want bonus contents, bonus segment. If you want more of this, because why wouldn't you? Uh, go to patreon.com slash gayish podcast. Yeah. Do it now. Now. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the closet? Let's talk about the closet. Okay. I still, like, some total of my life have been in it far longer than I've been out of it. Huh. How have, have I... Me too. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. Great. Damn. I, I blew Kyle's mind. This has been gayish. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. That's a long. Okay. Um, It's going to be a while until I get there. Yeah. Um, closer than me. We should have a celebration. Oh, like you've now reached more than half your life of being out gay. Yeah. I'll be in my 60s. <laughs> oh, I'll be in my 40s. Oh, God. I just want another party. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. One of the things is uh, being in the closet is something that sounds way easier than it really is. Like it sounds like a simple concept. You're either in, you're out, but that's not really how it is. Right. Because yeah, you yeah, can yeah, be yeah. out to some people. You can be out to yourself. You can be out to your friends. You can be out to your family. So like what, you know, what, what line is in the closet? There's yeah. some people that say like, I don't talk about it. I just do what I want. So like, even if you're out there, if you're a dude fucking dudes and living your gay life, but you never say I am gay to anyone, like, are you out? Like, what's, the, you know, it's, it's a weird, not easy have, line. Have you ever met those people that are like super closeted, but they pretend they're not because they don't talk about it, but like they don't talk about it because they're closeted. Yes. Like, yes. Like, that, great. You're very brave for not saying that. Thing. I, <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. Whenever I, uh, most of those people I presume are people that don't want to talk about it and just say, well, it's not the central part of who I am or I don't need to make it a big deal or it's like, but also if you never talk about it, that is making it into its own big deal that because I don't talk often about how I have like blue eyes, but it comes up every now and then and I'll be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if they're actually like more hazily. They look like happiness reflected back. Oh, yeah, it's a different. It's a new color. <laughs> happiness. I, I call it med. It's, it's it's light happiness. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, we. I guess in the episode about time out the closet, you came out when you were thirty. Thirty. I came out when I was twenty. Yep. Um. So I was twenty nine. I came out to a bunch of people so that I could say that I did it before I turned thirty. It was like the week before my. 30th oh my god. Birthday. You actually thought about that? Like, I wanted, why, why was that cut yeah. off important? Because, I don't know, cause speed limit birthdays make you think about shit, and I was thinking about speed shit. Speed limit birthdays? Yeah. You never heard it called that before? <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, the fives? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Speed limit birthdays. Speed limit birthdays. I like they, But they get you thinking. Yeah. And I was thinking. Yeah. And I was like, the fuck this, I'm going to change this shit. So, I yeah, I, I came out to One Ball Dan and another fraternity brother, um, leading up to my thirtieth birthday. That's kind of cool. So you came out in your twenties. Yeah, but so not. did I. Nope. <laughs> Technically, <laughs> the first time I said it to another human, like in person, was the dude I had been like my roommate who yeah. I had been sleeping with. Yeah. And like, was it news to him? <laughs> well, I mean, he stayed in the closet after that like for a while after that yeah. so like but is out now yes okay but it's it's just so weird that this is another weird thing about the closet like you you can be like having sex with another dude you can be inside someone and you're like i'm straight doop -a -doop -a -doop. like you could just the power of denial and like yeah. and 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 it's different to sleep with someone versus tell them it was like i was like crying when i said i'm gay to this guy who's who's come i had swallowed like you know it's just like it's so weird it's so weird yeah i mean the closet's a weird place it makes you say and do weird shit it does mm -hmm. and it's it's this it's yourself but like with a little more armor so it's still kind of you but you're not always the one in the driver's seat. Like it's yeah. yeah. Um, that sounds like a weird transformers spinoff 
starring David Shields. <laughs> I wasn't always in the driver's seat, and I got this extra armor. Oh, God. Um, okay, I'm going to tell you a datum. A datum. Uh, this a gatum. is a gatum. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, uh, this is from the journal PLOS One. I don't know what that means. Uh, came out last year, June 13, 2019. Sounds kind of gay. Or German. Is it gay German? Uh, these people are Yale School of Public Health. And mm. Although the people, Dr. John Panchenenkis and Richard Bronstrom. He mm. has like dots, lots of dots over various letters. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, slash to the O probably. Some, uh, no, just a little squiggly. Oh no, two dots. Um, two no. dots over the A and the O. Bronstrom. Okay, good. Um, and... They did a study about... Don't look at me like that. It's fine. <laughs> they did a study to try to estimate how many people are in the closet worldwide. Weird. So... what? Work on AIDS, people. <laughs> <laughs> Work on curing AIDS and cancer. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is important. Yeah, um, what percentage of the, of the world's queer people do you think are in the closet? All of them in Iran or whatever. (laughs) Probs. Right. Well, I mean, they're either in the closet or dead. Right. Yeah. Same in Russia. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I I do. I do think it's it's probably if it's a if this is a worldwide number, it is it is probably much higher than it is in like Western liberal democracies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Say something. Uh, what percentage? What percentage of queer people are in the closet worldwide? Yes, eighty-five percent. Damn, it's eighty-three. Yeah, eighty. Fucking brought it. You don't even need this research. <laughs> you can just have Mike randomly guess statistics, and he'll probably be right. Or maybe, maybe I can manifest things to be true. Ooh, I just gotta try hard. You enough. you precogged this, mm-hmm. and okay. Um, so. 83% of those who identify as lesbian, gay, or bisexual keep their orientation hidden uh, from all or most of the people in their lives. So that's how they're yeah. defining the closet. They uh, took one of the biggest data samples of sexual minorities, which I didn't know about this. It's the European Union Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Survey, um, which took place in 2012 of eight, 85,000 sexual minorities in 28 European countries. Um, they were able to find the proportion of those people who said they said they were in the closet and then may created their own index for all 197 countries around the world. Do you know we had 197 countries? I would yeah. think it'd be more. Really? Yeah. I mean, th- just... how many of them count? <laughs> <laughs> of all seven countries. Um, I mean, does it, does it include Liechtenstein? Because like, I mean, I assume that when you say all countries, we, <laughs> <laughs> or is the de facto all except Liechtenstein? I'm just saying there's some that could disappear and we wouldn't really notice for a while. That's true. <laughs> I, I they, could, was... they could go on an Amtrak and we'd, we'd find them a week later. Yeah. Okay. So they they took that proportion. Then for each country, they used um, some of their different laws and stuff to create an index uh, of structural stigma for each place so that they can use that as a multiplier. Okay. Um, and uh, so that way they came up with 80 estimated 83% who uh, are in the closet, which that's a fucking huge ass closet. Yeah. Um, I think people's assumption is always like, Oh, it's 2020. We can be, yeah. everyone can be out. It's fine. Everything's great. But yeah. that's not the case. I not mean, only- that's a very privileged thought to have. Yeah. 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 But and we're super privileged. We're in the 17%. Yeah. And like, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. We need to realize like, not only is it like in the U S it still doesn't mean it's easy because things have progressed. It's still hard. People are still in the closet and also, yeah, there are countries, uh, they said in this article, there are uh, 2019. I didn't update the numbers. So when this study came out, eight countries, it's punishable by death in 72 countries. Uh, same sex sexual activity is criminalized. Yeah. Uh, on the good side, same-sex marriage is legal in 28 countries, and 43 provide protections against hate crimes based on sexual orientation. But yeah, it's still it's still a difficult thing that people have to deal with. Yeah, I think what we will talk about a little bit more when we have our guest in mere moments is going to be there's always a negative stigma associated with being in the closet. It is assumed that being in the closet is bad and you should be out and that is good. Oh. Oh. Depending on what circle you run in. Oh, wait. 
do you have a different opinion or i mean that's my opinion of people who live here mm. like they're if you live in western washington and work for a big company you have like come out of the closet you mook <laughs> yeah but the point is but if it's for your physical safety yes. and there are people there there are places in the united states that i think you, there's even like yeah a higher level of justification for being in the closet yeah but in general if you can fucking do it but there can be no physical no external like issues with coming out and maybe it's something that you still need to work through like you know there's there's a lot of reasons being in the closet is not a bad thing yeah but yeah and, and there's places where it's like you should like do not come out of the closet yeah. because yeah well we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back uh, with our guest uh, Kevin Gertis who is the host of the podcast LGBT stories LGBT stories mm-hmm. like bedtime stories yep and the moon says i want to fuck you tomorrow <laughs> in the bud Aww. all the way home i think i can i think i can, I think I can. I think I can. and the three little piggies squealed with approval mm-hmm. wee 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 all over dan's face <laughs> okay okay should we, ta- should we take a break <laughs> let's take a break let's take a break break this is the part where mike and kyle take a break this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It sure is. Hey, Mike. Hey, Kyle. What would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Okay, we talked about this the last time we recorded an ad, and I said I thought I would do cooking. Uh-huh. I actually did. I talked to my therapist, and she was like, what would you do for an extra hour? And I said I would cook, and so I did. And this weekend on Saturday, I made recipe I'd never made before. It was French onion mac and cheese, and it was delicious. Well, if you want to improve your mental health, be a podcaster and record an ad about mental health. Yeah. <laughs> if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's completely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash gayish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash gayish. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash gayish. French onion mac and cheese, that's what makes me happy. Yum. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Mike. Do you remember when prep came out and it was a game changer? Oh, my God. Biggest news. We were all excited to get our hands on it. Well, it's happening again. (laughs) It is. Imagine a world where STIs are no more. Doxypep is what we're talking about, everybody. You can get Doxypep from Shameless Care. And Doxypep has been proven to be up to 90% effective at stopping STIs like chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis. It's just like prep was for HIV, but now for all of those other things, too. And where can you get this? You can get it from Shameless Care as a top telemedicine provider with board certified physicians across 50 states. They have a mission of making DoxyPep accessible and affordable. Answer some medical questions on the website and one of their physicians will prescribe DoxyPep to you. Viola is shipped straight to your door in discreet (laughs) packaging. (laughs) And DoxyPep at Shameless Care is crazy affordable just $109 a year that covers the online evaluation the medication and the shipping so if you're ready to rewrite your story and discover the joy of carefree intimacy visit shamelesscare.com gayish to take control of your sexual health that is shamelesscare.com gayish your liberation is waiting be sure to use lube <laughs> So are we back? We're back. Is that why you were looking at me? Yes. (laughs) Whenever we're about to record and I'm looking at you, that means I'm waiting for you to start it. (laughs) Okay, fine. We're back. (laughs) We're back. Uh, We're here with Kevin, who is the host of LGBT Stories. Thank you for being on, Kevin. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Okay, so we uh, already started talking about the closet, being in the closet. Kevin, what about you? What's your coming out story? Um, My story is well okay so i was sort of outed but through my own doing in a way so you guys remember myspace obviously right <laughs> yep yeah okay <laughs> so i first heard my, my very first miley cyrus song yes <laughs> which one was it do you know uh it was she's just being miley the first big one um, oh 
that's probably Hannah Montana. I came out. Never mind. Uh, I'll get there. Whatever. You'll... Anyway. <laughs> this is the most important thing I'm doing right now. <laughs> oh, okay. So I, I have three brothers. Two of them are older, uh, about like four to five years older, right? And when MySpace came out, I was looking for somewhere to like, you know, just express myself. I was in, I think, 10th grade at the time maybe ninth grade, I'm not sure. And my friend said, oh, well, there's this new website out called MySpace. So I got on there and I saw that you can put your orientation. And at that time, I had, FYI, I'm gay, everyone. <laughs> so I, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't clarify you know, that up front. Clarify that. But at that time, I identified as bisexual, something I think a lot of gay men go through. Yeah. And guilty. I was like, <laughs> I'll just, I'll put what I am. I, so I put bisexual. But I grew up in a small town in Maryland where everyone knew everyone. And my family was pretty well known because there was a lot of us guys and my cousins. It was just a lot of us. So I couldn't really get away with anything. But my older brothers didn't like this whole social media thing and MySpace, and they were like, you're not allowed to be on here, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I was like, well, they're not on it, so they're never going to find out that I'm bisexual. So I put it, well, come to find out, one of their best friends, who is like a brother to me in a way, he's known me since I was a child, he was on MySpace and I guess came across my profile one uh -oh. day and told my brothers that I am bisexual. Well, I get a phone call while I'm at work one day and oh, I pick up the phone. It's my brother. And um, he goes, Kevin, mom knows that you're bisexual. You are to get off of work today, finish your job, get off of work, go straight home. And she is waiting there for you. And I'm like this like freaking child. And I'm like this kid. And I'm like freaking out now. Like, like, what do I do? But there's this weird thing in my, like, you just know to just listen and just do what you're told in situations like this yeah. in my family. So I go home and my mom is literally in her room sitting on her bed and she, <laughs> she's got a Bible. Oh, no. <laughs> and, oh, no. <laughs> and basically the conversation, I can't remember all the conversation, but the gist of it was like, well, you know what the Bible says and... There's nothing I can do. Now, my brothers thought that rather than they thought it was like appropriate for them to tell my two aunts and then my two aunts thought it was appropriate to then go tell my mom because she just had to know this rather than anyone at all coming and saying, Kevin, can we talk yeah. to you about this? Yeah. It was like this huge chain you know, so that's why I say I was outed, but in, in a way, I kind of outed myself because I put the information out there. So I do have some responsibility in this, but... Was like a, a religiously based reaction from your mom uh, something you could have anticipated? Like, were you a religious family? Was that, was that sort of in step with her normal behavior? So I grew up Catholic as a child and went through like all of that and First Communion and Confirmation and whatnot. And definitely, you know, my mom is from Haiti and, you know, she came here as a child, a young, young, young child. But she definitely had a lot of, you know, God was something we talked about and things. You know, it wasn't a mystery to me. I definitely knew that at that time she believed it was a sin. I didn't expect her to have a damn Bible on the bed with her. <laughs> like, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, today I'm I am a Christian. I identify as Christian. I go to church every Sunday. I sing at my church. Like, it's it's a big part of my life, you know. Mm -hmm. And I do think my upbringing played a big role in that. Uh, Catholic church? Do you go to Catholic church? No, I go to a non-denominational church. Just a very like Jesus-centered focus, the way of life, the way of Jesus, you know. Is, we follow his teaching. Yeah. Take the thing. Yeah. Back on, you know, you saying like, well, I put the information out there. It's also like, we didn't know it wasn't as obvious right now. It's like, if you put it on your Facebook profile, now you know what you're doing, but yeah. to put it on MySpace, it's like, uh, what 
is my space? Like, what? who sees this? Oh, my family doesn't. So, like, the internet is brand new. All this stuff is so new that I can understand how you didn't realize that would have. Absolutely. It's like, what's the olden day equivalent? You write it down on a parchment with a quill and <laughs> store it in your personal diary and someone finds it? Like, it's, you like, it. It you didn't and you didn't intentionally do it. Yeah, I mean it, it is a it is a little naive uh, or immature child at that time. Um, I couldn't have been in. I I was like seventeen or eighteen years old. I don't remember, but like it was just a, it was just me being naive and not realizing what I was doing, you yeah. know. But yeah. at the end of the day, anyone then or now can put whatever they want anywhere that they want and it is no one's right to share that information with anyone at all i just don't think it's anyone's right to do that you know especially in something like this is that mitigated at all by how public it is though I, i definitely think about that too sometimes but i think when it comes to sexual orientation something that could not be any less about anyone in my family my sexual orientation it doesn't affect them like they should have never they should have just come to me and talked to me and i think yeah you know it goes for anyone in any family and to but to answer your question directly like i do think that there is a, a sense of um like accountability that we do need to have for ourselves because if i put my sexual orientation on facebook anyone can have access to that but i also have the ability to lock my facebook down Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm, know through mm -hmm. different privacy you know things that they offer and as we're talking about this it's like coming out i know it's getting younger and younger like the age at which people come out and it's a very like adult mature decision that you have to make when you might like how do i do this am i physically safe am i emotionally safe is my family like and what's the best way to approach this that's like that's such a huge adult mature decision to try to make when you're a child. Like, of course you're not going to do it right. You're like, you're going to fuck it up. You're a kid. You don't know what you're doing. That is so true. And I actually, when I, as I do my show, I have people that are, I've had more than three, 12 to 16 year old kids email me. Some of them identify as trans and they email and they say, your show's the only show that I have like this. And I live in like the middle of America and my parents are not accepting of anything LGBTQ. Like, should I come out to them? Yeah. And I'm like, the first time I ever got an email like that, I was like, I don't want to touch the keyboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do. So I had a friend who works. Um, so I live in Los Angeles. I had a friend who works who worked for the Los Angeles uh, LGBTQ Center and he worked for the youth in the youth division there. He gave me the best advice that I still use today because this was over three years ago. He said, when a kid comes to us and they want to come out of the closet, we always advise them to think about the consequences or the possible consequences of coming out of the closet. Because here in LA, I don't know about you guys are in Washington, right? Yeah. I don't know what it's like there, but here in LA, there are thousands of LGBTQ youth that are homeless, living on the streets, prostituting themselves to survive because their parents throw them out and they, they come to, to Los Angeles. So I tell these kids like, look, I always start with like, you are loved just the way you are. I have been there. I know what you're feeling and it gets a lot better. And then I then let them know, like, think about what could happen if you come out and you don't have a bed to sleep in tomorrow because you made a decision to come out at a young age. And if you know you're going to be safe, well, then take care of yourself. But if you're not sure of that, it's okay to wait. There's nothing wrong with waiting to come out until you know you're safe. Because coming out of the closet is a wonderful thing. And I think it's it's often glorified. And it's like, yes, I'm out and we're so proud of you and all of these different things. And it's great. It is a wonderful fucking thing. Like, it's wonderful. But no one is talking about if you're not ready, you're not ready. That's okay. Yeah. 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 And I could also see there being some kind of bigger pressure now. Like, why didn't you come out 
everything's fine. Why didn't you come out earlier? Um, Or like you said, if you, if you have friends that are coming out and you don't and you wait till college or you wait till after college and you're an adult or you like, maybe stuff happens. You don't like, you didn't realize until an adult, like there's so many different reasons that you could not come out until later. And there is some kind of shame that, why didn't I come out earlier? I feel that I came out at 20 and I'm like, why didn't I, I wasn't strong enough to come out in high school. Like there was an out gay kid there. Why didn't I do it? Like yeah. I could have, it would have sucked. I don't but. know. I don't, I, I think that that's, a, that's sad that you feel that way. And when I think, when I hear that, because when we were that age, we didn't have what kids this are growing up have like, no one told us what it was to no one told me what it was to be gay. I found that shit out like <laughs> online <laughs> in chat rooms I should not have been in on AOL. Okay. Chat rooms and porn were how I learned about gay things <laughs> yeah. as a kid. Well when I said chat rooms I really meant porn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> porn that was being sent through chat rooms. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> but we didn't know. We were so like no one talked to us about this. Like they never said anything like that in like sex ed and in my schooling you know yeah like i had to figure all of this out on my own so of course it's an of course we feel shame you know at that time or scared even if other people are coming out like our psyches are different we're different people and when we start to compare ourselves and say i have to do it this way it's like but i'm not you <laughs> you know right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's a, such a hard thing to remember when you see other people doing things that you're jealous of or you wish you could do like coming out and it's like that is not me what's best for me what's right for me and that's yeah. a hard thing to keep in mind to and, and a very mature thing to do when you if you can do that and make a decision to wait you know it's a very ma- mature thing to do every time you, you say know? the decision to wait it makes me think of a pastor telling kids to wait till marriage to have sex that's not <laughs> what we're talking about that's not what we're talking about <laughs> I think about uh, Harvey Milk saying everyone needs to be out. Like, you should be out. And it's weird. I always had a weird feeling about that because, like, someone had to be like, people have to come out. People have to start coming out so other people see that they are out people and they're, that people are real and gay people exist. But, but it's dangerous to do. So how can you blanket tell everyone, like, you have to come out? It's a, it's a, it's a tricky... I don't know exactly I, how to feel about it. I think that um, we have to think about the time. Like, again, a very, very different time that he was living in. There was probably a lot more, if you weigh it, a lot more um, that can be progressed upon if more people were coming out at that time. You know, we needed more representation at that time as, let's just say, even gay people. You know, let's like just we needed more represent representation. So that's a thing first. So. Um, but another thing as well is during that time, I think there were pressures that were put upon people of all different things, whether it was the economy, sexuality, you know, there were pressures that were put that were just normal. Like you were told to do certain things during these times in American society. Whereas today we live in a society that is like, I am going to be my autonomous self. And if you choose, if you think that you can tell me to do anything, you are so wrong and you're like, you should not exist. (laughs) So the timing is so different, you know, whereas we don't really what we the representation in the LGBTQ community that we probably really need more of right now, I think, is in the bisexual community and the transgender community, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I think, too, wasn't. Wasn't Harvey Milk saying that to San Franciscans, right? Like, that was a more or less safe environment, like, comparatively speaking. He wasn't saying everybody, even if you live in Saudi Arabia, needs to come out. Yeah, but back then, like, it's it's not safe. You would still be, you could still be thrown in jail. You still could be hate crime. It's being comparatively. Sure, but that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, now non-comparatively, you're telling people that would be facing real danger by coming out to come out. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think that's how we, as a society, probably have evolved, where yeah. we understand that, like, you can't be just commanding everyone to come out of the yeah. closet like that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in, on your show, you do stories, uh, LGBT stories. And is it 
are, are they primarily the stories of their coming out or do they cover, uh, you know, other, other types of topics in their, in their narrative? There are all kinds of topics. So yeah, the general story is someone's coming out story, but I've had people who are transgender tell their transitioning stories, you know, from male to female, female to male. I've had a lot of people talk about the intersection of homosexuality and Christianity or, you know, other sorts of religions. I've had Laganja Estranja from RuPaul's Drag Race on the show, and she talked about her story. Uh, one of the guys from Queer Eye, who I don't want to say yet, but one of them has agreed to do the show. One guy, I had a guy from Uganda who was in Uganda, and he talked about what it was like to be gay in Uganda. Mm-hmm, and it was, mm-hmm. I was in tears as I was listening to him because some of the things that he said, like his mom said to him, you know, so, so when he was a kid, he would, um, his mom would let him dress up in girls' clothing in the house. And she said to him, you can't ever tell anyone that I let you do this and that you're gay because if they find out, they will kill you and they'll kill me. And I just like, the stuff that's happening around this world is so crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, so all kinds of stories, yeah. Uh, the, the reason I ask, I'm, I'm sure that you have quite a catalog to choose from. Uh, Sir Ian McKellen, um, not too long ago, said, you know, everyone should come out. I don't know anybody who came out that regrets it. And so that makes me wonder. That might just be because he doesn't talk to enough people to get that sort <laughs> of feedback. Like, do you, do you talk to people that regret coming out? I've never talked to someone who regrets it. No, I haven't. Um, I have talked to people who don't want to come out that have literally told me I am bisexual or I am gay or I'm lesbian and I don't want to come out of the closet. And and it wasn't that they don't want to come out because they're scared. It's that they don't want to come out because they don't want to hurt their partner or they don't want to come out because they just don't want to tell anyone they don't see the need for it yeah but i haven't met anyone who's regretted coming out it's it's an interesting i mean it's all anecdotal right but that 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 says something about the how how acceptable it is to pressure people to come out like everybody can do it everybody needs to do it on their own time it's their story to tell and if they decide never to tell it that's fine too and the fact that it seems everybody who finally gets there and does that they don't regret it you're 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 pushing people towards a thing that it turns out okay for everybody as near as we can tell right it's yeah i from what i can see it's a it is a wonderful thing i just think that people have to get there on their own time i would imagine people would be more likely to not regret coming out but how when why they came out rather than the act of doing it like maybe if i waited a year later i would have you know, already been gone in college and it would be easier. Maybe if I would wait until I moved to a different city or what have you. Yeah, and we, it's not our job to force people to come out. I think it's important for people of any sort of demographic at all to share our stories because we never know what someone's story is going to do for someone else. So my show, LGBT Stories, it was not start. It was started for people who actually are against our community. It was not for people in the community. Hmm. Well, what I found was anti-LGBTQ people are not looking for LGBTQ content for podcasts. They're just not. <laughs> but the, the people that were, were our community. So things st- sh- sort of shifted into becoming this place where people can come and have resources, you know, and a community to talk to other like-minded people. Mm. So, but um, I bring that up because I think it goes into this idea of like, rather than pushing people to tell their stories or to pushing people to come out of the closet, why don't we just share what we have to offer and let God or energy or whatever you believe in or whatever do do from there what needs to happen, you know? Um, it's not necessarily, in my opinion, our job to change minds. It's just, to, it's our job to share our stories and whatever comes of that comes of that. You know, I do like the idea of like sharing 
the authentic experience of coming out good and bad because um i I think kevin you like you said like it's often glorified that you know coming out like that that is like the stories we see now everything's perfect like it's not going to be easy it's not going to be perfect when it happens you're still going to have challenges and maybe more challenges because you came out but we're still happy we did it like there, like if, if you just make it seem like it's just all good and you should definitely come out because it's going to be great that's a little bit misleading as well mm-hmm. you, you know i had a um an opportunity for a local tv station it, it, it was um pbs um but there was a local tv station here who wanted to work on sh- uh adapting my show into a tv show awesome. and basically they had said well can't we just focus on the good things about coming out and not talk about the difficult things i looked at this woman because the, it would have been for kids you know mm-hmm. that net mm-hmm. the network gears toward teenagers and i said to her but that's not what happens it's oftentimes very scary very difficult a lot of tears there's it's not you know i'm not going to and I, I i told him no i turned down let's make this into a tv show because it's like i'm not going to sit here and tell kids how the experience of coming out is going to be unicorns and rainbows and ellen degeneres 24/7 like it's not always that some people experience that you know yeah. but not everyone you will get there you will get to the most authentic self that you have ever known and you will be so happy and probably fall in love and have a wonderful life you'll probably get there but the odds of that happening right when you come out is just the odds are not there so it's going to take time to get through that you know but like i don't know i was just um i I just couldn't believe someone didn't want to talk about that because it's i'm like clearly you have clearly you need to be educated yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) um what other commonalities have you heard from different people's coming out stories or just lgbt people you've had on the show one of the biggest ones is how much the church has hurt Hmm. people who are lgbtq and i'm not talking just about christianity i'm talking about mormonism you know and other different religions um that is a huge one. I think it's uh, a big issue that I know people who are in the community and are pastors. I know people who are not part of the community and are involved in church and see that there's a major, major problem in the way. Look at the Methodist church, you know, splitting in half because of this. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, we are called to do two things in this life. Love everyone and be of service. That's it. That's it. No one is meant to be. If you want to be talking about religion, Jesus was a man who cared for the prostitutes, the tax collector, the sinners, the thieves, before he cared for the wealthy. He cared for children. Children during the time of Jesus were were more of a burden because they require more to to survive, and they had to be taken care of. And and during that time, it wasn't they weren't valued like children are value today hmm. and he says it was you know the type of person that he went to first so um that's a major a major one i'm hearing a lot of um and then another thing is just the difficulties that people um just having to tell their parents um like some uh people who come from immigrant families and having to tell their their parent who is first uh you know not first generation they were the the immigrant um who comes over to america and having to explain to them their orientation uh and you know we are blessed we are lucky to live in america you know what with all of the with all of the difficulties that we do have there are a lot that we there are a lot of good things that we do have here in america um because it it is in a way easier to uh, tell an American parent that you're gay than some parents from other countries where it's just a different way of life. You know, I think those would be the two biggest commonalities I hear. Man, coming out to your parents like that's yeah, that's just like a just so many people can relate to like that feeling. They were like the like. I came out to a couple friends first and then for my family, it was like, 
okay, I'm going to tell my brother right before I go tell my parents. And even my brother was like, okay, nerve wracking, but not like my parents were like the big, like when I come out to them, that's when I felt like I was out. Like yeah. I was really out. Yeah. So when I finally came out, everything's done. Everyone knows whatever. My cousin, I was walking down my stairs at my house and my cousin had, I guess, just walked in the front door and I'm like at the end of the stairs at the bottom and he's standing at the front door and he goes, hey, Kevin, I heard, you know, I heard the, the news type of thing. And he said, I think I understand why you were such an angry kid. <laughs> if you look at pictures of me growing up, I had an angry look on my face at all times. When we were looking through photo books and things like that as a kid, I always had this like angry, sour look on my face. And even into like my teenage years, I would, I was just an angry kid or like a, it wasn't so much like rageful angry. It was just down, you know, mm. depressed in a way. And so my cousin at the, you know, he says, I, I realized why you were so angry all the time. And I was like, yeah, man. Um, he said, how do you feel? And I said, I feel like the elephant that was sitting on my right shoulder just got up walked away and didn't say a word to me and the elephant sitting on my left shoulder got up walked away and didn't say a word to me and they never returned it was the one of the shortest and most impactful conversations i probably have ever had in my life hmm. like realizing that like that burden i had been carrying and why i felt the way i felt for so many years of my life all of my life like it was gone. It was just gone. Those two huge elephants, they di they they just didn't say a word, but they just left me. They mm. just left me. And I think there was something in the exchange of him, of us, he and I talking so freely about the fact that Kevin is bisexual at that time, you know, mm -hmm. um, and that it was just so easily talked about was um, moving in itself at that time yeah, yeah for sure yeah yeah being able to like have conversations regular conversations with people about being gay like with my family now like when they joke about me being gay it, it's in a good way because we joke about everything so to not yeah. joke about it is bad so it's like when you just get to get into having like normal conversations and yeah. your orientation just might be a part of that it's just like it feels so good it's so refreshing totally yeah, you know, I um one thing my mom said to me uh after I came out and at 19 I moved away and um I had a partner for like two and a half years. And my mom and I were very close. Like um we were very close, but we stopped talking as much for probably 3 years maybe after um I came out and I think that and there were times during that time where she I felt her anger about my sexuality that I didn't feel the day she and I had that initial conversation. Um, but one day after. I don't know what it was, but we were talking, like I said, maybe three years later. And she said, Kevin, the best thing that you ever did for me was give me the time without pressuring me to accept you and all of this other stuff uh, to just accept the situation, hmm. you know. Um, and, and, you know, that that's another factor, too. Like our parents are not they did not grow up in our in our time, you know, like they process these things a very different way than than we process them yeah it's really hard to remember when you're going through that whole thing too that like for them they're just being hit with this like you as the person yeah. coming out to them have probably been yeah. thinking about it forever and ruminating on it and stressing out about it and practicing what you're going to say in the context yeah. in which you're going to say it for the them the person on the receiving end of that it's all happening now like they they have not had the benefit of all of that time leading up to this so yeah. a, a little bit, a little bit. It's okay if they go crazy for a little I bit. I mean, right? it's just expect it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> just expect the worst and hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know. I, and I know that, um, you know, the, the idea that 
okay, this doesn't affect you at all. This just affects me. I mean, like, yeah, we've talked about that and, and just in orientation, like in general, like why do people care? Like it doesn't affect them. I mean, with your parents though, like it does, there, there are non immaterial. There are material ways <laughs> that, that it, it does affect them. Like now, if uh, the rest of the community knows, how are they going to treat your parents? That's shitty that, yeah. that you would have to think about that or care about that, but that's a real thing. Their expectations for you, how are those going to change? Not your fault that they had those, but you know, there are some very real ways that um, it affects your family and your friends and uh, other people. Uh, and you don't have to adjust yourself for there that, was, um, but it's helpful to remember. There was, there was someone on my show just uh, two weeks ago, transgender man, who uh, shared that he was adopted and his parents had looked for 11 years um, for a newborn baby to adopt. It took them 11 years to find yeah. someone. And he shares, like poetically almost, like about that it was 11 years of thinking... Are they going to have a boy or a girl? And 11 years of picking a name. And then when he comes out to them as transgender and says, that name that you thought of for 11 years, you can no longer call me that name, was just like something I hadn't thought about. Yeah. You know, we, look, coming out, Often it is just a, a, there's so much to it that we can't sum it up in one sentence, but like, it's like, so what I want to say is like, we have to think about this does affect our parents because they had hopes and dreams for us. And yes, like maybe our parents wanted us to be doctors and I'm over here doing a podcast. <laughs> like, I don't know, but like it's, it obviously it's deeper than that, but they're, they're going to, be confronted with things in life that their kids are going to do that aren't on the path that they wanted. But at least we can have empathy for our parents and understand that this does affect them in some way. May it be emotional or societal or whatever. It's not a, it's not a, a like a, an excuse for them to not accept who you are, not accept the situation. I'm not making excuses. But I think the biggest issue that we have in our society is that there is so little accountability that we have. Like people are so entitled in America. It's, it's kind of unreal. Um, but that's a whole nother, a whole nother subject. But we just like, we got to have accountability for the things we do. If you want to come out, I encourage you to come out, think about it, you know? Um, but, and when you do just recognize like, if your parents are overreacting or getting angry or having a reaction that you didn't expect, how can you be of service to them in that moment and let them know that you're still the same person that they know and probably are, they're going to get to see even better sides of you, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, so before we let you go, Kevin, um, if people want to learn more about you, find your material, find your podcast, uh, wh where should they go? What should they do? So you can find, you can go to our website, which is, uh, our LGBT stories.com. Um, or you can find on Instagram is basically at our LGBT stories and Twitter is LGBT stories. I'm still working on Instagram to get the LGBT stories handle mm -hmm. because, well, they're they're tricky to deal with. Do we need um, to, do we need to take somebody out for you with that help? <laughs> please, because look, the person who hasn't hasn't posted since 2016, and like Instagram is just being not fun. Twitter was like, <laughs> all right, it's yours. <laughs> so working on that, but I always tell people just go to the website, um, ourlgbtstories.com, and then. I'm honestly more more visible on my Instagram, which is Kevin Gerdes. Last name is G E R D E S, and then um, you can find me there. It's easy; just Google my. You'll find it. It's simple. <laughs> or listen to the podcast. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> LGBT stories. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for being on. Thanks for talking about the closet. Thanks for talking about yeah. your experience. Yeah, Kevin Gerdes. Thank you so very much for being here. We appreciate it. 
Thank you. It was a really good conversation. I appreciate it. So should we take a break? Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Break. A break. Break a break. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. Are we back? We're back. We're back. Uh, we're going to do our gays and straightest. We're going to do our gays and straightest. But first, hey, Kyle. Hey, Mike. What did you think of Kevin? It's great. Yeah. Yeah. How old do you think he was? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to decide if he qualifies as a filiomi or not. And I don't know, but I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> that sounded Polari. It was the Polari word of the week. Okay. I meant to do it earlier, then I forgot. And then, and then. Here yeah, we are. A feely. A feely or filiomi is young. Oh, okay. That sounded like a sexual, like a. I'm going to feely him up. <laughs> it just sounded like a, a pedophile, a different word for pedophile. <laughs> An omi that feelies? <laughs> feely. How is it spelled? F-E-E-L-Y, F-E-E-L-E, F-E-E-L-I-E-R, or F-E-L-L-I-A. Spell it any way that you feel. Feely. Feely. It comes from the Italian filia, which is also young. But it means it's a noun, a young person or a child. And then filiomi is a contraction of that. Smush them together. (laughs) Smush them up. Uh, a young man. Classic, classic smush up. An underaged sexual partner. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, derived from a combination of feely and omi. An underage sexual partner? Well, let's just forget the creepy part. Let's just... <laughs> well, it's so hard. That's so difficult, too, in this context. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's feely is young. Feely young. No matter your age, you're as young as you feely. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Am I going to remember all these Polari words? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Probably not. I don't know. I'll try. Okay. Uh. I already forgot last week. (laughs) You did it. Did you forget it too? It's the word for wig, which is oh yeah, something Raya. Fashioned Raya. Fashioned Raya. Fashioned Raya is a wig. Yeah. That Filiomi's wearing some fashioned Raya on RuPaul. Oh. Great. Wait, Filiomi, that's not a young man. That's a underage lover, right? I don't know. Mm. Definition one was a young man. Definition two was an underage sexual partner. So Fili just means young or a young man. Filiomi, the first definition of Filiomi is a young man. The second definition of Filiomi is oh, an underage sexual partner. Oh, got it. Ooh. I don't know. Okay, so it could go both ways. That Bonabijou Omi with the fashioned raya looks feely to me anyway okay great uh our website is gayishpodcast.com all of our social media is at gayish podcast it's uh twitter instagram youtube facebook yeah yeah our hotline you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails is 5855-GAYISH that's 585-542-9474 standard rates apply and our email address is gmail at gayishpodcast.com. We're at P.O. Box 19882, Seattle, Washington, 98109. Great. Give us a uh, ringle. Give us a jingle. Give us a ringy dingy. Give us your Pringles. S- um, send us some ding dongs. Send us your dingle. Um, <laughs> gayest and straightest. Let's do a gayest and straightest. Okay. Mine is this is based on the apps that I play, my app games, Candy Crush. It's it's not a gendered. This is how like stupid these things are. It's like not a gendered game, but it's pink and it like that you're doing these like candies and bright colors and like when I do it, I feel like gay. And if I play it in public, I'm like, fuck all of you and your gender norms. I'm gonna play Candy Crush. Yeah. Like it's just so weird. Yeah. Um. And on the counterpoint, my straightest is this game. It's a kind of a similar thing of like match three things, but it's like but when you match three things you like attack a monster or you get a shield to defend against a monster. And like it, it, it's just the same idea, but the design of the game is like a little bit more like dude and then mask. Yeah. 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 So that's my gayest and straightest. Great. What about you? Uh, what about me? So the gayest thing about me this week is, is probably, um, uh, showing everyone that comes over to my place, the giant dildo that Joe and Dallas sent us <laughs> last week. Like, it's just hey, everyone. <laughs> it, it is ridiculous. Uh, 
Ridonculous. <laughs> Ridonculous. And showing everybody is really fun. Ridonculous. And then, of course, starts the gayest conversations ever. <laughs> what What do people ask about that? Like, I mean, I would say my first question would be, have you used it? Yes, exactly. Is this safe to touch? Because I just come in, like, slap him in the face with a big old Wait, did you open it? Yeah. Is it opened? Yeah. Oh, I'm keeping mine in. This is like a... For posterity? <laughs> Hermetically sealed? <laughs> For my own posterity. Uh, to save my posterity from getting... No, I just think someday it's going to be like a heirloom. Tomato? Like, <laughs> someday I'm going to eat that like an heirloom tomato. Um, and then this one about me this week uh, was so... We're starting the we're starting the actual makeover of the app makeover mm-hmm. episode. So it was it was going to the barber today and just saying, "Here, do this." She sent me pictures. Just do this. <laughs> it almost like, feels like my like, wife told exactly. me that this is the haircut I'm getting. My wife cut this out of People magazine. I'm showing it to you now. Make my hair do this. Do you do you want to tell anyone about your? what you're doing so uh, far or I, do you want to wait for it i think i hate it oh really yeah but but whatever it's we'll so see. short i thought you just did it differently i didn't know that it was a haircut mm. it's a haircut i like it it's supposed to be like ryan reynolds eventually because he's like well okay it's gonna take more than one haircut to get from where you were to this <laughs> other place so yeah, yeah, yeah. um this is i'm in transition kyle yeah yeah and now you totally understand what all trans people have gone through yeah. <laughs> we're basically you get the it. same you get it yep <laughs> um let's see your listeners gaze oh and yeah straightest. a listener's gaze and straightest. so this one comes to us from discord once again and it is from danny who says you sort of touched on this uh also and you didn't even know this is one i picked yep if you want to uh, his his straightest is playing zelda breath of the wild and feeling like a total badass warrior dude slaying all the monsters in his barbarian armor (laughs) the gayest is ogling link because the barbarian armor is like his sexy skimpy armor (laughs) (laughs) oh my god do you remember like video games he could like switch the options and you'd pick like the hot guy or you'd like or in like modern video games now when you can like design your own body and stuff and you of course have to take all of their clothes off of them yeah. so you can see what they look like <laughs> naked and then you know adjust right or i started playing the sims again on my phone mm-hmm. and the guy i made brad bradford <laughs> he's, he's just like has a hat and he's <laughs> wait naked except for a hat <laughs> Nate did the Sims let you get away with everything. He has a hat on his head, hat covering his dick. Yeah. End of story. End <laughs> of list. End of list. <laughs> great. Great. Uh, well, that's it. Um, a special thank you to Kevin Gertis for being on our show and talking about the closet. Yeah. And we're going to be on his. So look out for that. Yeah. I ha- I'm going to try to make everybody cry. Yeah. That means I will have one. <laughs> uh, that's it this has been Gayish I'm Mike Johnson I'm Kyle Getz until next week be butch be fabulous be you see you next week be in the closet yeah. till next week